Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucking Eastas? What the fuck, Ricans? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show, WTF. It's a podcast. I guess you know that if you're listening to it. How's everybody doing? Are you okay? Y'all, y'all right? Y'all, y'all good where you are? You're running? You're sweating? You're sitting? You're driving? You're flying? You're on a train? You digging holes out in the desert looking for treasure. All of you, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. Today on the show, good show. Adam Devine, I'm going to talk to in a few minutes about a movie that we both are in. Can I say? We're both in this film. Uh, he's got a slightly bigger part than me. And then uh, then uh, veteran comic John Caponera, who I used to watch when I was a doorman at the comedy store. Impressive stylist, real deal comic. Uh, just catching up with him. He's got a, a self-published book he'd like you to uh, to check out, if you would. It's called The Life in Comedy. You can get it on Amazon. What, what else do I need to plug? Look, Spokane, I'll be there tonight. Apparently, there's still some tickets for uh, tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday at the uh, Spokane Comedy Club. You can go to WTFPod.com slash tour to link up to that. I got wise guys coming up in Salt Lake City. Uh, July 14, 15, and 16. And I've got uh, the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, uh, July 28th, 29th, and 30th. And I'll be at Stand Up Live in Phoenix. Look, that's a big room. And if you guys don't start buying tickets, uh, who knows what will happen? Do you understand? September 3rd at the Albuquerque Journal Theater. And I'll be uh, in September, I'll be at the Rochester, at the Comedy Club in Rochester, New York, the 9th. And the 10th. And that's about all for now. Those things are happening. I'll be with Dean Del Rey here in L.A. at the El Rey Theater on uh, July 19th. Me and Anthony Jeselnik and uh, Joey Diaz. Uh, Dean Del Rey and friends at the El Rey Theater. Go do that if you want. Also, I'd like to give a little love to my friend, to my dear friend, Dom Irera who is going to be playing at the uh, Denver Comedy Works, one of the best rooms in the world, September 7th, 8th, and 9th. Give a little love to the great Buddhas of the stand-up profession. What's happening? How are we doing? Everything all right? Did I mention everything? Hey, um, so you want to know what's going on with Buster Kitten? Buster Kitten, the amazing slapstick cat, 
Buster Kitten is now uh, in the second bedroom, comfortably isolated, but not quarantined. I just got to get him acclimated. I, I got to introduce him to the other cats, but he's um, coming into his own. He's uh, He seems to be sleeping on a pillow, tucked in the, the bottom cubicle of a Kallax Ikea record shelf. Is that, is that what it is? Are those the ones? Kallax shelving unit. Uh, if you don't know, that is truly the best shelving unit for records. But I got a little double Kallax and uh, the records are on top and underneath. I left open and I, I gave, I stuck a pillow into one of the cubicle holes and uh, Buster Kitten is sleeping in there. I'm getting him the top-notch food. I'll go sit in there. He's purring. He's meowing. He's playing with a couple of mice. He's shitting in a box. He's doing all the things kittens do. And he will jump on my lap. That's the, uh, the only trick that I know is happening right now is the jumping on the lap. Adam Devine stopped by. And, you know, sometimes I do these short interviews. And uh, he came by to uh, promote the, uh, the movie he's in. So Mike and Dave need wedding dates. I am in that movie. I'm in it. They Remember, uh, those of you who are around, they flew me to Hawaii for a day. I, only, I spent a day in uh, Honolulu. They flew me down there. I got there, got some rest, got up, was taken to set. The hotel was pretty interesting. There were dolphins at the hotel. There were, there were like pools, tidal pools in back of the hotel, and there were dolphins in it. And I, if I'm not mistaken, turtles, maybe a turtle, a big turtle, dolphins at the hotel. That's fancy. And uh, I did a scene. I played a bartender who uh, was trying to stay sober. Now, I don't know. I, it was a very uh, fun time. It was a fun day. I'm glad I did it. Have no idea what they used. Don't know how I did. Let's just do it. Let's just talk now to uh, to Adam Devine about that movie and about himself a little Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now where Wherever you get your podcasts. A little bit. You read all these books? I read some of these books. Yeah. But a lot of them I've had for many years. And you've never read. Right. I'm thinking about buying more books and I don't want to read all the books, you know? Yeah, just use them for decor. I want I want I want people to come in and be like Jesus Christ this guy reads. Well, I mean, I've read there are books on here that I've taken a look at, then there are books that, you know, I was sent for free like there's a lot of graphic novels that I've uh, read but there's some I haven't but I don't want to get rid of them cuz I might look at them. 
And I want to. So, I'll peruse all of them. Sure, I'm not going to read all of them. Sure, and like some of the bios, some of these are good reference books. Some of these books I've been trying to read since uh, I was in college, and I don't understand them. Some of, think, some of them you want to just have so you know that it's a book. Right. You know, when people are like, that book, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I have I that, book. that book. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, yeah, I'm going to get to it. Yeah. Oh, that's on that list. one about uh, the thing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, got that. I yeah. read the back of the book, so I know it's the, the, the thing. Or how about this one? I started it. I started that book. You know, I kind of yeah. got it. I and get then, it. Then I got busy and moved on to a bigger, thicker book. Yeah, yeah. which I also started. So mm-hmm. they're both by my bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're both in my garage. Yeah, they're there. I got them. I got all the books. Adam Divine. Is that Mark how you say it? Is that your real name? That's real. Yeah. What? How does that happen? I don't know. Penny and De- Dennis Devine also have it. My grandparents have it. I the Devines. Know. I don't know where it came from. You don't know where it came I from. I know it's uh, Irish. Everyone thinks I, I'm Jewish, but- uh, No, I thought it was Irish. It's straight straight Irish. You thought it was Irish? Yeah, I do. I did think it was Irish. you have a book of uh, Irish names? Yeah, I yeah. looked it up before you got yeah, here. Okay. In the, uh, the book <laughs> of Irish what, names. What is his lineage? Yeah. Yeah, sure. It is Irish, probably. It definitely is. Yeah, that's what they say. I don't well, know. I think there's another actor. There's a, Maybe I saw a character in a movie about Ireland that's name was Devine. I might be Ned Waking Ned Divine. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. So we got to the bottom of You're it. You're sourced. Yeah. I want to do one of those like uh, you see the commercials where they take like a prick of your blood and then yeah. they f- they figure you can be like you are sixty five percent Native American or whatever. I just did that. Did you? You don't even need blood. You need spit. No shit. Yeah, I'm doing some TV show where they they do that. It's sort of this is your life genetic testing. Oh, cool. So I had to do two separate labs. So I just sent the other one. I sent two in. Oh, so you don't know what you are yet. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Russian, Polish, German, Jewish, mutt. Cool. Of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the region. Yeah. Eastern European uh-huh. Jew area. Yeah. But you probably go right all the way back to Ireland. Do you ever go to Ireland? I've never been. I've never even been overseas. What? To promote the movie, Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Uh, I I was supposed to go to Berlin and um in what London I think yeah uh, but then uh, I'm I'm doing something I'm shooting something else so I you've go. never been out of the country you're one of those uh, like well you seem like kind of an American guy I'm super I'm super domestic I am I'm a Bud Light of a human <laughs> domestic yeah. where do you, you grew up where uh, well, Iowa Iowa and Nebraska oh my god Iowa till I was ten and then uh, moved to Omaha Nebraska and then lived there till I was eighteen were your parents in farming moved out here. No. Really? No. Those my two- dad, my, well, my dad works for the railroad. So oh, okay. That's, that's a very Midwestern sure. thing. Does he, does he a, a switcher or a conductor? He or was a conductor. A, he was? I think he did everything, but he's been a conductor for as far as I know. So th- for as long as I know. So, that, so he's on the train. He's on the, I remember, like, this is the most Americana shit that anyone can have. Yeah. I, I Like, come at me with something more Americana. Yeah. Mark Marin listeners. Yeah. Um, I used to, I remember being at a uh, railroad crossing and seeing my dad hang out of the train and wave to us, like me and my mom. <laughs> Which, There's uh, dad. Yeah, there he is. And he's like honking the horn and waving at me As and the stuff. the train goes by? Yeah, it was But cool. he never took you in the engine? He did. It was like wildly like illegal to take oh, really? kids in there. Uh, well, like- Train. I don't think like the federales are gonna, you know, no, swoop me up, be but a, like, but train law, right? And uh, but I think he snuck me on for like my fourth birthday. I have like little kid photos. I don't really remember it, but uh, well, well, oh, they, it's okay to bring you on if it's not moving, isn't it? I don't think so. I think maybe like, he just it's didn't like, want you around. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> that's where he keeps all the hookers and blow <laughs> are, are in on the, the engine. Yeah, in, in uh-huh. that front compartment. Yeah. 
So walk me through the, uh, the what made you funny. Like what, what happened in, in childhood in terms of like, I did some reading. It sounds like you had some trouble. Meth. No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, all these teeth are fake, Mark. I, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> They're too straight. You don't strike me as a uh, meth guy. No, too chubby. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I need. I don't have that meth weight. Were um, you a sports guy though? No, I, I, I like wanted to be a professional baseball player when I was like really, yeah, really young. Yeah, you know, everybody kind of sure. did. But uh, I was hit by a cement truck when I was eleven, ten. You were really hit by 11, a cement truck. Yeah. Like 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 level. for real hip truck yeah oh my and it god t- took me under the first like I think like two wheels and really? spit me out no and, uh, yeah I broke every bone in my legs oh my god that's just fucking awful the, yeah that that moment where something goes kukunka and oh, I just, couldn't, I'm, I'm glad I don't remember, like, you know, obviously I don't remember. I like went in a shock right away, but like that poor guy that was driving, he was like, he was like as old as I am now. Right. Driving a just truck. Just driving a truck. And then he just crushes a little boy. Like that would be the Whose worst. Fault was it? Did you run after a ball or something? Yes, like, he was dr- drunk. He was? No, I, w- oh. <laughs> I wish I would like own the company. No. Uh, <laughs> I'd be, Mr. be, the I'd cement be guy. Mr. Cement Mix. Yeah. Divine um, Cement. Yeah. That's yeah. what it would be. Yeah. Oh, what a great alternate life that yeah. would have been. I don't know. Would it have oh, been? Oh, fuck. You're about to be a movie oh, star. Man. But I could have a, a but I could own fleet, a fleet of cement of trucks. Cement trucks. Um, no, it was, it was like my one buddy was across the street and I was on the other side, and it was we were in the suburbs, so like new houses were being built right, like every right. day. And uh, we were going to like the local uh, convenience store to like yeah. we would like rip pages out of Playboys sure, and penthouses sure. and stuff. Steal gum. See, see, this was pre-internet. Sure, of course. Like I'm on that cusp of like I right. I was like the last generation to like have to have nudie magazines. Right. Yeah. So we were like trying to 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 do that, and like our other friend would like trick. Well, not trick. We were like, probably distract. bad at it. Probably distract. It would be like, hey, where's the yeah. razzmatazz suckers or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then we would do that. But we were on our way to do that. Did you and, cough? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why we just didn't take a whole, whole magazine. magazine. <laughs> yeah, that's how dumb we were. You thought that would be real stealing. Yeah, that's real. We're you just taking a page or yeah, two. Not we really want to see a, an areola. Yeah. Um, just one. Yeah. Um, and so we were on our way to do that and he yells come on as in like i'm excited to go do this and i took it as in come on the coast is clear and three symmetrics were going up the hill and two were coming down and so after the third one passed me going up the hill he yells come on i'm like okay and i walked behind and i couldn't see the other side of the street oh god yeah it was gnarly i couldn't walk for two years see what happens when you, you rip off titties when you yeah, rip this off is, titty pages, yeah, this is karmic return. God, or literally rip off titties. I bet that would be worse. They have much a lightning worse. bolt would have you just no. Yeah. You would have you would have been died. You died in that truck. Yeah, uh, I would by that truck. So that was so for three years recovery. Two. A, it was a, it was a solid two before I could like really get up and walk. That's a that's a big shot to the childhood. Yeah, middle school was was uh, a weird time because they were wheeling you around. Yeah. You were in traction for a while? I was in traction for a couple months. Good orthopedic, I guess, put you together. Yeah, they did a great job at the uh, University of Nebraska Medical Center. That's what my dad did. He was in that business. He was in the bone mending business. Oh, really? Yeah, he pins, things, oh, traction, awesome. putting uh, hips, legs, knees together. Uh, it's cool that there's so much money in that because 
athletes need to get healthy. Sure. And so now, like, you like, you want a fake knee? Easy. Yeah. Got you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but Hip, like, no problem. lymphoma, cancer, so like, we have no, no idea what's no. happening. But we can replace every joint yeah. in the body uh-huh. if you need to throw a ball or catch yeah, one or yeah. run. Yeah, if you're athletic or rich, we got you. When did you start doing comedy stuff? I, um... I started like pretty young. I was like 13 and I would, uh, freshly recovered. Yeah. Learning just, to walk again. Just learning to walk again. Yeah. And, and I couldn't, I like couldn't play sports. So when all my friends were playing uh, sports and, and that kind was of, was that heartbreaking though? Seriously? Yeah, it was, you know, yeah. I really like liked playing sports. You seem my, like a sports guy. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't do that anymore, but I liked, I liked making people laugh. Yeah. So I would call into the like local radio station, local rock radio station, <laughs> and would do different characters and voices, and I would write down sketches. And did call they know? Them. Like, did they hire you, or were you just doing it on your own? Well, I did it on my own for a few months, and then it kind of became like a successful bit that they were doing. You know, in my mind, it probably was like eight people listened, but I'm like, I heard like two people talk yeah. about me one time, yeah. and then like Kmart, and I'm like, I'm famous as yeah. fuck. Yeah. They uh, knew you, though, at the station. They are like, yeah. that kid. Yeah. Well, yeah, they yeah. didn't know as a kid. They were like, hey, come in. We want to get you. We want to put you on staff and have you be like a recurring, like you yeah. do this every day. Yeah. And and you're like, oh, great. And I show up with my mom because I'm 13 <laughs> years old. And they were like, holy shit. We had no idea you were a child because I would never talk to them in my like little boy voice. Right, I would right. always talk to them in character. Yeah. Because I was afraid they would find out I'm a little boy and yeah. be like, get out, you know, <laughs> get out of here, you child. Yeah. Did they give you the gig? They couldn't pay me because I was, uh, you know, because it's illegal to work right. that young. Uh, but they were like, we'll give you all the free, like, we'll give you free CDs and oh, all yeah. the free concert tickets you right. want, which is like better than money sure. when you're 13 years yeah, old. Yeah, it's yeah. like any concert that I was so like, I saw Foo Fighters a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was the band that was like peaking when right, I was at right. that age. So Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So and so you went into the studio and did it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Yeah. How long did that last? Uh, it lasted a little over a year, and uh, and then I went to Disney World with my family, like on a family vacation. Yeah. By that time, I was like fourteen and like yeah. peak of like horny, pervy fourteen-year-old yeah. boy, like yeah. hard dick everywhere I go. Yeah. Uh, so. I, it was the worst vacation I've ever had right. because it's just like, I don't want to ride rides. I want to try to talk to girls, but right. my parents are with me. And also I'm bad at talking to girls and there's all these hot girls walking around with their family. Right, it was a right. nightmare for me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I come back home. I'm kind of bummed at the whole vacation. Would rather just play, like kicked it with my friends and uh, come home and I turn on the radio station to, to you know, call in. And they're playing It's the End of the World as we know it over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I I didn't have like anybody's personal number. I just had yeah. the, the number for the yeah. uh, station. And finally, I found out that they were changing formats. They fired all the DJs. And it is now a top 40 radio station. Oh, you're out of a gig. Yeah, so I'm out of the gig. So that was their last big revolutionary move to yeah. spin that over and over again. Uh-huh. Yeah, they changed the world before <laughs> Omaha stopped. <laughs> we'll show those fuckers. Mm-hmm. We got one day to do this, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then what, when did the sketch stuff start? You went, you went to college and that kind of shit. I'm yeah. just trying to get up to speed. Let's get up to speed, Mark. I'll, I'll, I, I want to because yeah. we just I'll we had that this because I know that the movie. What's the whole name of when? Who needs wedding dates? Mike and Dave. Yeah, Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Yeah. That 
Like I, the best scene of the movie is probably that that first scene, that opening scene. I think so. That right? bartender brought something pretty special. Did Mark. he? Because I haven't seen it. Now yeah. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to believe you. Was it good? It is. It is really good. I'm oh, good. A, I'm actually like, it's the first time I've done a few movies, but it's the first one that like I'm I'm proud of. Like, right. Oh, really? It's good. for it's for like me. Like and, I would go see it and actually enjoy it and really think. It's and funny. and you, uh, this is like the this is a big role. Yeah, it's my first starring role in right. a movie. You and uh, in the Efron kid. Yeah, that, yeah, that uh, that uh, unknown. It was very funny to do that because they flew me down for the like a day. Yeah, and, and we just did that thing, and it's one of the, like when you do a scene like that, I'm like, nah, I don't think that's gonna get it. I don't know what that's gonna do, and and uh, I I have not seen it. I feel like a lot of times actors will like just blow smoke because they want. It's sure. to make money so they yeah. can make more movies, but like, yeah, I definitely want it to make money so I can make more movies. But like, I think people will actually leave the theater going like, "Holy shit, that was so funny!" It made me laugh as hard as like Wedding Crashers made me. laugh. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's like it's a good cast. You got Stephen Root in there, and you got yeah. uh, you got the girls Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick, mm-hmm. and you and Zach, and like there were other people hanging around. Who else is in it? Uh, well, like uh, Sam Richardson from he's on V. People, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Sugarland Beard, who like hasn't she hasn't been in much, but she plays my sis or uh, my sister who's getting married. Yeah, and she's so fucking funny. And uh, like she trips ball, like they get like the girls give her ecstasy. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. night before her wedding, and yeah. she just loses her mind. And uh, oh, good, yeah, drug humor. It's all there. A lot of sex drugs. humor, sex drugs. Oh, fuck Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> sex it, drugs in Hawaii. It's set in Hawaii, right? We didn't just go there to shoot it because it's some budgetary. Yeah, thing. It's set, yeah, budgetarily we had to shoot in Hawaii, <laughs> but it's set in Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they cut the best deal in yeah. Honolulu. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gotta go down there. Uh, yeah, it's all set in Hawaii. Like that. That's the sort of plot is that we take these girls to this Hawaiian vacation. And uh, that hotel was wild, wasn't it? They had the fucking the the fish right in the hotel. Yeah, like the, right the outside. Dolphins, the there were dolphins. dolphins at the hotel. It was funny. And turtle, I think a turtle or two, maybe. Yeah, it was funny how sad people got seeing those dolphins every day. Well, you yeah. were there for how many weeks? Yeah, I got. I wasn't sad. I, I didn't think to be sad until I saw like every like little girl walk past me, like we gotta free the dolphins. And I'm like, oh <laughs> dude, shit. I guess we you were do. just like, yeah, yeah I'm cool. like, cool. Look at those dolphins. <laughs> hey, should I uh, throw this uh, six pack ring in there? What would that do? Uh, <laughs> oh look, they're all playing look, with it. They're all playing. What's going Look, it's on? A toy. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a that was a wild hotel. But uh, okay, so after where'd you start uh, with the sketch stuff that eventually evolved? Because like, I didn't realize that you kind of like were doing a lot of stuff before workaholics. Yeah, well, I did. Uh, I did um, stand up like in college. I, I went to out to did you? L.A. like right right after. Were you a stand up? Was uh-huh. that the thing? It was yeah. solo. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did uh, New Faces Montreal um, just for last New Faces in '06. Oh, okay. And it was like me and Hannibal Burris. And, so you had an act. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And uh, were you featuring at clubs and stuff? Uh huh. No yeah. shit. Were yeah. you playing the Midwest? I remember seeing you back in the day in like '05. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, Where? at the uh, comedy store. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like, yeah. Jesus, this guy's gonna kill himself. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> You and I are definitely opposite types. There's no doubt about that. Like, you remind me of, a, of my roommate in college, Lance, that was just sort of like, you know, kind of like, what's going on? Yeah, you're like, like, this happy good. fucker. Yeah, exactly. Shut up. This guy's yeah. okay. Well-adjusted motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, definitely different comedic types. Yeah, I'd say so. So, but were you featuring and stuff? Were you working as a comic? Yeah, a little, I was trying to stay, I, I got offered, but like the feature money is like, 
It wasn't paying. So Four or five hundred a week. Yeah, so I was doing better just staying in town auditioning uh, for like commercials and that right. bullshit. And I started a book. I booked a few national commercials and that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of paying the bills And while I was doing like all the clubs around town. Yeah. Uh, especially the improv. I ended, I worked at the improv for a couple years from 04 to 06. Working as uh, a... As a door guy and answering the phones. Oh, you were one of those guys? Yeah. So you paid your dues over there yeah. doing that? Uh-huh. Taking calls from comics going, what time am I on? Yeah. And Wait, the, who's up? Nah, I don't want to come. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> What's the lineup? Hey, how many comps do I get? As honestly, as many as you want. There's no one inside. <laughs> you're the you're the headliner. <laughs> it's no one there. So, uh, all right. So then, how does how does workaholics happen? Were you doing funnier die videos and shit too, or what? Yeah, or it was you... like kind of right before funnier die. Like 06 was like uh, it was like YouTube had just come out. I started making uh, YouTube videos with the guys uh, from Workaholics that we were all roommates together. We went to- Here in town? Yeah, we went to college together for two years at Orange Coast Community College, did improv classes. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, the one with the curly hair, um, Blake, he had like this cute little afro. Yeah. I was like, he's really fucking funny. I should write with him. And so we started writing together and writing a lot of sketches. His best friend was Kyle, who's now our director. Right. Uh, he wanted to go to film school, so I moved up to LA with him. Met Durs at the uh, Second City. Uh, Here. Where I was taking classes in LA. Yeah. And then YouTube just came out in 06, and we were all roommates, and we are like, let's make YouTube videos. This is perfect for us. And so we made like 80, 90 YouTube videos Holy in the course shit. of a couple years. And then I did stand-up for uh, Comedy Central Live at Gotham. Yeah. And they were like, oh, what else are you doing? And I'm like, I have all these internet videos. Please watch them. No one's <laughs> watching them. <laughs> and uh, and then they gave us a show. And that was the birth of it. Yeah. So that's your, your creator of that thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you guys write all of them still? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, I'm out of the writers' room talking to you right now. They're so, pissed. Oh, are they really? Yeah, no. So they're. So this is good. So you did all right for yourself. Uh, yeah, so far, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's been the, uh, the movie's premiering tonight. We'll see. Hopefully, people will go see it. So well, I can how many to do stuff? How many seasons of Workaholics were there? There's. We're still doing it. We're doing the last season right now. It's season seven. This is it, though. Yeah, we've decided. Some. Yeah, it's on you. You're like, how many times? They know? wanted us to do one more, but we we we're kind of we're all kind of to the point that uh, are all the other guys doing as well as you though? They got other yeah, things they're all going? doing stuff, and yeah. we're doing a movie. Uh, we're doing a movie with Seth Rogen's producing it with us and Scott. A workaholics Rubin. movie. Uh, yeah, it stars the three of us, but it's not workaholics. It's like the three of us were hotel maids, and our hotel gets taken over by terrorists, and we gotta we gotta die hard the situation. We're uh, three. We're three dumb John McClane's, basically. I get it. I get yeah. it. Rudin's producing it. Uh-huh, and, and, uh huh. And Seth Rogen. And yeah. who's going to direct it? Your guy. Kyle. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting, man. Yeah. So we're kind of we 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 love working together, but we don't want to do workaholics for so long that people are like that fucking show still on. Yeah. You, where you just kind of re, re, everything becomes way over the top. Yeah. And like yeah. you guys are like traveling now and shit. Like, yeah. We we no longer like ride in our <laughs> shitty car. Somehow we won the lottery. And we all ride uh, those like those uh, what Can Am spiders and those motorcycles with three wheels. <laughs> Be a different show. Yeah. Well, I saw you in the intern. That was um, yeah, it was cool, man. It was working uh, with De Niro. Nice guy. Yeah, cool. Like, uh, were you nervous? Yeah, you know, I was. I, like, honestly, I was. It was. Uh, he's he's Robert De Niro, but he's he's cool. I th like if you aren't 
if you aren't like oh yeah, right. Robert De Niro around him, yeah, yeah, and are just, and you just have a conversation with him, he's really cool. Yeah, he's like kind of a quiet guy, right? Yeah, he's super quiet. Like he'll never he'll never be like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, right. Like right. Uh, just kind you, of mind you have to business. be like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to try to start. We had a running bit where it was like he doesn't laugh. Mm-hmm. He 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 just like he like has a silent laugh, right? But he like uh, just sort of jiggles. jiggles, yeah. And so the running bit that I had with some of the other actors was like, hey, time me, see how long it takes for me to get De Niro jiggling, because he would laugh. He would. He was like he he wasn't like stingy with it, right? Right. But it but it was just a, a gentle jiggle. jiggle. And so it'd be like, hey, uh, forty five seconds, pretty good. You got it, you know. So, this movie, uh, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, right? Yeah. I'm in it. just want to make that clear. I'm in the opening <laughs> scene. I want to make that clear. So, buy a ticket. Watch the opening scene. And if you don't like if it, you, you don't can like split. it, you can yeah, split. Be, yeah. Give us your money. Exactly. Yeah. No, it, it looks like it's set up to be a pretty big summer movie, and, and everyone's excited about it. And, yeah. I, and I'm now I'm trying to find out whether or not I was um, overlooked for the premiere, because I don't recall- you getting an oh, invitation. You be invite. If you're yeah. not, I'm going to have some words, Mark. <laughs> With Jake? You can I'm going to gonna have a word or two. It's Jake's name, right? Yeah, Jake Szymanski, the director. He actually texted me on the way over here to say, I hear you're doing uh, Mark's podcast. And uh, He's a good guy. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah, awesome. And, and what was the other movie he directed before this one? He didn't. This is his first feature. Movie, feature. Wow, so he was a Funnier did, Die guy? Yeah, he was a Funnier. He was like employee number one at Funnier Die, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. He... Uh, he was, it was like right, it was like day one of Funny or Die being a thing. Yeah. And he was making like YouTube videos, much like I was. Yeah. And he was one of the first people to upload a video. And Adam McKay and Will Ferrell at that point were watching every video that was uploaded because it's a brand new site. They right. just did it that day. So they're like, we'll watch all the all the things. And they really liked him. And they were like, well, we got to start hiring people. What about this kid? And brought him in. And I think McKay kind of took him under his wing a little bit and, really? and showed him the ropes. And uh, that's and hilarious. He's, he's great, man. I, I would he's love nice to make guy. Like ten movies with him. He's like yeah. the best. How was yeah. working with Zach? Is that all right? Yeah, it was good. He's he's like, it kind of sucks because he's like not only is he the handsomest guy in the right. world, like like women just like fall over, right. uh, <laughs> just like gush. Uh, well, I, no, I remember, like, because I I don't work in a lot of uh, movies. I you know I do the TV thing a bit, but but he's pretty effortless. Like I forget that like some of these actors, because I I mean maybe you're like me. There's part of you like when you're on camera, you're hey I'm this guy. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm talking at this level. You know we're talking <laughs> like this. And then you see guys like I imagine De Niro or or like or someone who's a straight actor like Zach. They're just hey what's going on? And you're like don't you speak up? Oh did I mean both Zach and, and De Niro as well. But De Niro especially during the intern, yeah. I was like. Is he giving anything? Yeah. Like, has he? He's acting like he's never been in a movie before. Hey, you got to make more faces. <laughs> and then you watch it, and you're like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, he Why knew what he was he doing. Make a ton of funny faces when like you're I there. Try to do right. It's yeah. weird though, right? And then you watch it, and you're like, "He makes a lot of faces." Yeah, how did I not notice the rate? Yeah, <laughs> he makes faces at the perfect time. <laughs> well, good luck with the movie. I hope it yeah. does well. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. Yep. All right, well, that was fun. Glad to talk to him, but uh, jury's in. Was not invited. Was not invited to the premiere. I don't know if I was forgotten about, or perhaps the guy who starts the movie out strong doesn't get an invite to the premiere. But I I have heard that it's a funny movie. Uh, I've seen it on the Twitter. 
Uh, I've seen people mention that it's a funny movie. I will see the movie primarily because I'm in it. All right. Okay. So now I, I want to share this conversation I had with John Caponera. John Caponera, like, look, when I was a kid working at the comedy store, when I was just a kind of a long-haired, sweaty, drugged-up little Jewish kid, 22 years old, working the door at the comedy store, hanging out with devils and monsters and gypsies and pirates, doing the yayo, staying up all night, talking about nothing. He was one of these dudes that would come in. I knew he was from Chicago, but he would come in, get up on stage, do a solid spot, tight material, physical, funny, high energy, you know, real pro. And then he did this amazing thing. He just left. Didn't hang out with the freaks. Didn't just didn't get involved with all the 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 uh, the 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 swigging and the snorting and the insanity. And I kind of respected that. I didn't understand it. I was like, what do you mean? You're not he's not going to hang out. Why, that, why does that guy hang out? That was always like this judgment. Well, that, that guy doesn't hang out. Wow. What's up with that? Well, maybe he has a life. Maybe he, he wants to have a future. Maybe he doesn't want to, you know, get involved with some stupid bullshit and stay up for three days yammering to dummies who think they're changing things. But Caponera was uh, always a great comic. He's been out there doing it for like 30 years. And I thought it would be good to talk to him. I ran into him. I thought, let's uh, let's see what John's up to. And he's written a book. It's called A Life in Comedy. You can get it on, on Amazon. And uh, and he's a good guy, and he's a real deal. So this is me talking to John Caponera. You know, it's weird. I have uh, interesting memories of you. Interesting memories. There's, here's the memory I have. That was like kind of hilarious is that I was at the comedy store. I was a doorman. And uh, my job sometimes was to drive comics to Burbank Airport so they could go to the dunes to do the comedy store at the dunes. And you had to drive Mitzi. And the, and I the drive stuff. sometimes. I didn't drive Mitzi. That was a Schubert oh, oh, job. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I drove the Jeep, but I have to pick you guys up. And one time I'd been up all night with fucking dumb Sam Kennison. I'm fucking still high on coke and probably drunk. And I got to drive you and Mendoza to the fucking airport. And I... And to I don't. This day, I hate you. No, no, I would think you would hate me, but you probably don't remember it. I was like literally sweating drugs, and there was no fucking gas, and I was late. And you and and, and Mendoza are like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "I got no gas." I was barely keeping it together, awake. And I just remember you guys. What is going on? And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, sorry, man." And it was just to me, it was really represented the the two different types of comic. You know, that, whatever the fuck I was doing up there with all the drugs and all the bullshit, there was definitely those two camps at the comedy store at that time. And you were like this straight up kind of working class guy doing comedy. And then we were a bunch of fucking lunatics. <laughs> did you did you ever feel that there at that time? Well, you know what? I, I lucked out at the comedy store. I got to tell you why. When I came out in 85 to do Star Search, yeah. I, I went down and did a an audition down in... And in Indianapolis. So me and Larry Reeb and a couple guys Reed. from Chicago, we yeah. drove down to Indianapolis, yeah. did the audition. They called me a couple months later. I'd forgotten about it. They go, yeah, you want to do the show? We, uh, uh, for Star Search? For Star Search, yeah, back yeah. in 85. It was like its second year it was on. Was that the year? When did when was Lubell on? When was that Lubell on? The year yeah. after you or something? He, he might have been on the year after me. They put us up right next to the comedy store at the Hyatt. Right. 
And it's my first day in L.A. You know, I don't know anybody out there. Yeah, yeah. I know some comics, but yeah. really nobody. So next, I go in there that night. I go, hey, the comedy store's next door. Maybe I could do my spot and work on it for yeah, tomorrow yeah. night show. So yeah. I go in there and uh, I say to the doorman, I said, listen, is there, is there any way I can get up tonight? I'm doing Star Search tomorrow night. And he, he gives me the once over. And he goes, and uh, he says, I think we can get you up a little later. So I'm hanging out. Yeah. I get up. I do 10 minutes. I have a nice set. And I come in the back of the room and they say, Mincy wants to talk to you. Yeah. I'm like, who's Mincy? Well, it's, it's the owner, right? <laughs> and she goes, John, are you out here for good? Are you just here to do the show? <laughs> I said, no, Missy, I, I moved out. I, I My little Corolla, I, I packed it up, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to give this a shot, you know? Yeah. She said, call in Monday for spots. Yeah. Well, everyone starts shaking my hand and pat me on the back, and I'm thinking, what's the big deal? And I think, well, there's guys working the door here for two years trying to become a paid regular, and she just made you a paid regular. <laughs> and, and you know, I come to find out, you know, I became friends with Jimmy Schubert. I would see him after the shows all yeah. the time. We'd hang out, yeah. and he'd pick my brain. and yeah. And I said, Jim, you know, uh, I, I happen to lucked out, you know, that she made me a paid regular. But you know what? I've, I've been doing this seven years. I've, I'm headlining all over the Midwest. I just, you want to get on stage. You want to start in L.A. I goes, look who's on stage right now. Robin Williams is on. Yeah. I goes, you know who's on after him? Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And look at the list. You know who's on after him? Paul Rodriguez. Yeah. I goes, you can't get stage time. Yeah. I goes, you, you got to find a place you can go and be bad. Yeah. You got to find a place where you can cut your teeth. And just hone your act and, and, and get up on stage. It's all a trial and error. It's all about stage time. Well, yeah. You're, you're trying to start in L.A. Where yeah. It's almost impossible. Yeah. Sure enough, he moved to Florida. He started working all the Florida circuit down there. He come back two years later, and he was kicking ass. He got Is that into what the, he did? Yeah. He went to Florida. And what came year back. was that? 80 what? Oh, man. When you moved out here? I moved out here in 85, so I was talking to him this stuff like 85, 86. He might have moved back. Right or in '87 or something. No shit. Came back in the eight, like '90 or whatever. So and, he listened and was to kicking you. Kicking ass. Right. And, oh yeah, yeah. I goes, Jim. You always had it in you. You just never had time to to work it out. And you get stuck in the politics of that weird dark hole. Yes, yep. exactly. Because as know. soon as you got past, there was twenty guys going, "Who the fuck is John Campanera?" Oh yeah. <laughs> all, all the doormen are like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yeah. You know. And you know, I felt a little resentment from them, but at the same time, it's like, dude. You know, I came out here with an act. It wasn't like I, I, I just showed up and said, hey, give me a shot. Who was on the schedule then in, in like in the mid 80s, let's say 85, 86, when you were at the store, when you first got there? Who was well, coming Sam around? Sam was there. Carl, <laughs> Carl LeBeau yeah, was yeah. there. Yeah, the dark forces. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Louis Anderson was on yep. all the time. Yep. Uh, Remember those guys like Joey Kamen? Joey Kamen, Harry Basil. Yeah. Uh, you know. Steve Odenkirk before he became a big Steve direct- Steve Odenkirk, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans. Dice, Karen Haber, Joan Hart. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if you were working the door, you remember. But I got there in 80. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Like, oh, yeah, okay. So I got there in 87. 80, so it wasn't that long okay. after you. And I lucked out because she took a liking to me and she started working me at the yeah. Dunes in, yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, I drove you. She started to the working airport. me in, 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 in uh, San Diego. Yeah. You know, so I was getting work from her, plus, I had work from the Midwest. You know, from- well, you were lucky because, you know, you were made, you were set. You know, you knew who you were up there. You knew who you were in life. She couldn't fuck with your head too much. Yeah, there, there was always guys around that, like, were, you know, sort of unpenetrable by that weirdness. Because that place is weird. But for you walk in, I'm like, how come he doesn't feel it? 
How come he isn't like going crazy? Like, because all of us who were sitting around at the door and doing drugs and that place was this haunted shithole that had its own meaning. Like we were talking about ghosts and, yeah. and about the history of the place. But you're like, it's a comedy club. What's well, the, I did, I wasn't there long enough to get involved in the politics. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't there. I was green. But you also came and went, right? You did your show and you left, right? You didn't hang out too much, did you? No, you know what? I, I hung around for comics I like to watch. Yeah. And then if I saw the lineup and I saw that it, you know, I didn't care for them, I'd split, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I got on every night there and, uh, you know, and that was that was awesome. It so, was my, my home away from home. Chicago is where I started. It is? That's where you grew up? I grew up in Chicago. I, I started doing comedy there in 79. Wait, like where? What part of Chicago? I'm, I, I've, I've become sort of fascinated with Chicago. It's because a great town. It's great. It like really I, is. Like, I always knew it was its own thing, but now I've, I, you know, I taped a special there. You probably I mean, have a huge following there, yeah. They're, I did, they're, they're comedy great. Yeah. Great, great comedy town. It is such a great comedy. But it, and that's where I cut my teeth because... They're a good comedy town because they give you the benefit of the doubt. They want you to do well, but right. they're very sharp. Right. And right. they get all the subtleties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah, they're smart. Yeah. It's a smart town as far as comedy. Well, they got Second City, yep. was three doors down from Zanies, right. where I started. Downtown. Yeah. So yeah. I'd I'd hook up with all the Second City people right down the street at the bars afterwards. Right, right. And we'd all hang out, you know. Right. I knew Farley and all those guys. Did you? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't I wasn't tight with him because I always hammered by the time I got to talk to him. <laughs> You know, he was he wasn't coherent by the time I got to the bar. You he were, was already you, hammered. You were so. tight with him, but he didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had a long uh, friendship, and you talked a lot, but it was always in the blackout for him. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we'd all go to the blues bar down the street from Zany's and uh, Second City. Yeah. My sister was with in Second City. She yeah, went, Cindy. She went, Cindy, you know Cindy? Yeah. She went through the whole thing. So her, all her friends were, you know, like uh, uh, Bill Murray's brother, Joel Murray. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I don't know and that Steve brother. Steve Carell. Yeah, and, yeah. And all these guys, Odin Kirk. Yeah. You know, they were all in Bob. the same. Yeah, they were all in the same group, and they yeah. had all go to the same bar, and all the comics from Zanies would hang with these yeah, guys. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a great hang, you know. But um, is it just a two of you in the family? Just you? No, and I got four sisters and another brother. So they're. Oh really? Uh, yeah, my Big. dad Irish Catholic. Really? Well, my dad's all Italian. My mom's Irish, but we had six kids and. What he was a fireman. My dad was a fireman in so, Chicago. So you were like real, real blue collar Chicago. Yeah. That's what you grew that, up in. I was the south side of Chicago. I grew up like six blocks from Comiskey Park. Uh -huh. We were 10 minutes from the loop. Yeah. Right off the Dan Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Down the loop. But it was all blue collar neighborhood. Carpenters, plumbers, cops. You know, my neighborhood was the stockyards. Back in the early, back in the day, the stockyards was right down the street from the my house. The meat stockyard, the meat stockyard. Yeah, and eventually in '72, it moved to it moved to Oklahoma or something. But you remember it? It was I was 12 years old. It was right down the street from my house. You could throw a rock, and it was where all the pens were. Where all they they kept all the the you know the cows and the pigs and the slaughterhouse. Right there. It was right there. We'd be playing baseball, and all of a sudden a cow would right run back. <laughs> They, that got loose from the pens and would yeah. run run by our yeah our our, our park and we're like a cows by the park <laughs> and eventually the stockyards left and they put it was it became a big industrial park but that that was right down the street from my Isn't house where you the have those memories my whole neighborhood smelled like shit <laughs> my whole life it smelled like cow shit you knew you got into our neighborhood when you smelled the cow shit how long yeah. did that stay around after they got rid of the cows <laughs> it stays doesn't it? Oh, it, did, it did probably lingered for a couple of years but you could i could throw a rock yeah 
And right in front of the International Amphitheater, was, you know, I was only a block away. That's where they had the big riots in 68. No shit. Yeah. So the, the history, man. It's the history. There's a lot of history there in that, that neighborhood. And stuff. But like your dad it. was a union guy, right? Oh, yeah. My yeah. dad was a fireman and... Uh, and all my cousins are electricians. They're all big union guys back there. You know, they swear by it. Yeah, you know? sure. It's a union town. That's yeah, it's it a big union town. So what? And now, as a as a kid of a fireman, that was that exciting. I mean, did you you know get to go on the truck and shit? Oh yeah, yeah. We'd go to the firehouse. <laughs> was he, it one of those old kind with the pole and everything? He he actually for fifteen years he was a captain over at the firehouse in Chinatown where they shot ba- uh, backdraft. Oh really? He was the captain of that firehouse. Oh, was he on set and shit? Did he? Like, he, he he got to see him filming stuff and everything. Did he think they got it right? Did he? Did you? Did he? See well, he wasn't a consultant, but I'm yeah. sure they used consultants. But from did the... you? Did he watch the movie? Yeah. And did he think it was? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. He liked it. Oh, yeah, good, yeah, good. He liked it. He liked it. But uh, he's still living. My dad. He's 82. He retired a chief. So I told you. I said, Dad, you're the one of the few guys that are actually able to milk the system, you know, and get something out of you. Usually, you, you know, you retire and you croak the next day and yeah. you never get that money you put into yeah, it. Yeah, he know? got it, though. Huh? He yeah. got his pension. He's yeah, still yeah. spending it. Still spending Does he still it. live in the house he grew up yes, in? Yes. No it, shit. In fact, when I go back there, uh-huh. I stay with my dad. Mm-hmm. I stay in the same house we grew up in. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. That's when I was two years old, yeah. Same room? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Is your shit still in there? Is it? No, no, no. Actually, uh, he 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 remodeled a little bit. So, uh huh. But it's the same house, and it's funny, you know. What's different about the neighborhoods back there is my 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 house. I knew everybody on the block, right? For one thing, sure. You know, I knew everybody in the neighborhood. I could right. go down every block and tell you what kid lived there. Right. Sure. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. No, you come out to L.A. I don't even meet my neighbor until there's an earthquake and everyone's out in front. And you go, oh, you're my neighbor. How it's you a doing? weird thing. Isn't it weird? Well, the thing I think that's different is that it's generations of people live in the place. So a lot of times, like I bet in the neighborhood in Chicago, you knew their families. Your parents oh, yeah. knew their families. You knew when, what's his name's father died or when the kid graduated. Like there was a, like, you know. Community. Right. And it was like, a village. Right. And then you sometimes you go over to the other kid's house when your parents were away or whatever. Like everyone took care of each other. Like my grandparents' neighbors. You know, and it just, it doesn't, like up here. Here I know my neighbors, but you, usually it's just this sort of like, could you keep an eye on the thing so that you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotta... You're not tight. Like my 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 house next door. My sister lives next door. Cindy was next to you. Where? No, over... no. I'm talking. I'm sorry. I, my house in Chicago. Oh, okay. This is the difference. Right. In Chicago, my sister lived next door with her family. Next door to my dad's place, my cousin lives. Right. You know, who, yeah, which yeah. is my dad's niece right. across the street. Three other nieces, my my dad's, uh, my <laughs> uncle's daughters. So wait, you're saying you lived in an entire neighborhood of Campaneras. <laughs> I'm telling you, the whole block, <laughs> the whole block is inundated with Campaneras. <laughs> and my grandmother lived a block away. Yeah. My other grandmother lived two blocks away. You know, so th- there was a real village. So yeah. if you had to leave and go, hey, watch my kid. I yeah, got to run. Exactly. I got to run to Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. So we could watch it. Yeah. I don't have that out there. I have three kids. and. We could never get a sitter. My, my wife wouldn't trust anybody because who knows? We didn't have a village, right? And it, it's it makes well, it so much harder. Well, that's why to people don't kids. leave. That's why they don't leave their hometowns a lot of the times. And like I know a kid, you know, uh, <clears throat> Nate Bargetzi, he's a funny guy. He's uh, a comic from uh, from Nashville. And he's doing okay out here, but he moved to Nashville because her parents are down the street, his parents are down the street, and it makes life nice and easy. And the kids have a relationship with their grandparents. Yeah, and you know what? And that's one one thing my kids didn't get, mm-hmm. which I wish they could have had because I had that. Yeah. 
And I had 35 cousins just from my mom. My mom had seven brothers and sisters. They wow. all had five kids. Right. I had just 35 cousins on my mom's side. Yeah, yeah. That's not even my dad's side. Yeah, so, yeah. And they were all around. They were all in the neighborhood. Yeah. So, you know, you grow up with so much community and family. And uh, it's one thing my kids didn't get yeah, out yeah. here. You know, Because so you got to travel. Every we're time go. we went back to Chicago, they got to see all their cousins. Right. And uh, they loved it, you know, but uh, because I was out here and and my wife's mother was out here and she didn't want to move back there and everything, right. we stayed. But yeah. it's it's hard. You know, I, there's a thing in my book. I have a... What's have the a, name of the book? It's called A Life in Comedy. It's available it, on Amazon? It's on Amazon.com. Yeah, it's a download. Mm -hmm. You can download it on any iPad or How, Now, what was the, when did you write it? I wrote it while I was on doing the cruise ships. I had a lot of downtime doing, oh, yeah. doing ships. yeah. So I, the last couple of years, I, I would just sit in my room and, and write whatever and came what, to my what, mind. What were you saying was in there? Do you remember? Well, I have a whole chapter on, uh, uh, it's called a stand-up comedy, a single man's game. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really, our, our profession is really cut off for somebody who's single. Yeah, or a bad married guy. Yeah, or a bad married guy or a married guy with no kids whose <laughs> yeah. wife doesn't work yeah. and can travel with right, you. Right, right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because, Just to babysit you for fuck's sake. Yeah, because it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard when you once you have that first kid. Now you got to juggle time in, time away. She's bitching that you're gone too much. You're bitching that if I don't work, we can't feed the family. Yeah, and it becomes a big juggling act, and there's a lot of stress on both sides. And yeah, the fact that we were able to hold it together for you know 25 years, doing all right, is a minor still? miracle. Yeah, it really no, is. Not no. really. <laughs> Not really. I'm sorry, buddy. And, and, and plus the fact that you know I'm trying to mend relationships with my kids because right. I was gone a lot. You know. Oh, really? I, there's a story in my book. I talk about you know I I miss so many little league games and so many recitals Ugh. and so much, and it kills you. And it's those things that you don't get back in life. Right. You can't get that back. Yeah. Once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. But yeah. There was one particular moment. I just remember I'm in Bumfucko, Michigan. Uh, you know, at a Red Roof Inn. Yeah. And it's snowing outside. Uh, it's March. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the closest, you know, theater or mall is two miles away. I don't the have worst. a car. So I'm sitting there watching it snow. And my wife, I'm on the phone with my wife. And my two sons are in a Little League game in the Sherman Oaks Little League Championship yeah. game. And she's giving me play-by-play -play on the phone. Oh. Telling me, uh, it's three and two. There's a man on third. She's you know. announcing. She's announcing the game to me. And I'm listening. And all I remember is hanging up the phone and, and crying myself to sleep because I wasn't there to see my two sons playing the championship oh, that's game. That's brutal, man. And so a lot of the book is the talks about the loneliness how old are of they the now? job. Yeah, how old are they now? They're 20 and 18. No shit. Yeah, yeah. They both went to Locks, uh, the the fine art school out oh, here. Yeah? It's like the fame of sure. New York. Yeah, and what they, what's their thing? They, they were in the drama department. No you know, kidding. So, so they, my one kid, he, he's working at Big Five now trying to become an actor. He's taking a year off from college. Working at Sporting Goods Place? Yeah, yeah, yeah just just to, to make a little money while he's trying to yeah. while he's trying to act. You know. Well, that's the thing about, about you, and I was excited to talk to you, is that you're a guy that you know you're you're a grounded dude you're a solid dude you got a solid act you know you've had opportunities come and go but you're still out there fucking doing it cuz you have to yeah yeah you know i always prided myself on on being a provider and no matter what it took you know yeah. i knew that i had to make a certain nut every month to uh to to make ends meet and to pay my mortgage and everything else and 
you know, at the same time, I missed acting and I missed being in town, but I didn't have the luxury when I was a single guy to just stay and audition. Right. And say, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to take the next couple months off and go out pilot season, go you, out. You could do that then. You know, I could do that. Yeah. Then, you know, but once the kids hit and you had to make a certain amount of money, you know, whether it's on the road or at a cruise ship or whatever, uh, you know, corporate yeah. date, yeah. you got to make the bread, you right. know, voiceover, whatever you had to yeah. do, right? Right, right. And, and I always... The last 30 years I've been fighting the, you know, juggling the two. Because if you're gone, they just go down the list. Oh, get so, call so-and-so in for, to read for the part. Sure. Captain Air's not around. Right. And then if I stay home and I don't get the part, I don't feed my family that month. Right. And I don't pay my mortgage. Right. So, that you know, for 30 years trying to juggle that. It's it, crazy, it's, it's man. It's crazy. It really is. And it's it's paid its toll. It's paid its toll on my relationships with my family, my wife, and, yeah. and everything else, you know. But... My my dad was a real worker. My mom, you know, so I I always prided myself on being a you know a provider. Yeah, you got a working class ethic about it. I, there's a working class ethic about it, and uh, I was you know I'll admit I, I wasn't the nurturing guy. You know, yeah. and I left that to my wife. And, right. Uh, you know, and now I'm paying the price because I I, I have you know these. I'm trying to rebuild my relationships with my kids. You yeah, know? I, how bad are they? Are they real mad at you or just a little mad at no, you? No, no, I have a really good relationship with my son. My other son just got a rehab. He's trying to rebuild his life again. 4.0 student. Oh, but, yeah? And I'm, and I'm I'm pulling for him. And yeah. my daughter's acting out now in school because, uh, yeah. you know, my wife and I are going through a tough time and she's ditching classes and this and that. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, you know, I have to be home more now to, to try and mend those things. And as a life of a stand-up comic, when you're married with kids, it becomes really hard. Sure, know? man. Well, let's go through, like, so when you started, how old were you when you started? I was 22, right out of college. That you just knew you wanted to do that? Well, no, I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And my senior year in college, we had a class called Advanced Public Speaking. Yeah. And for our final... All the kids had to do a comedy monologue. Right. And the teacher didn't care if you ripped off Pryor or right. Carlin, as long yeah. as you committed to the material. Right. And I used to do impressions at the time as a yeah. goof off. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to do my own thing. So yeah. I put a bunch of impressions What'd you in, do? into a game of baseball. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't remember. It was like the Canyon Capers versus the Sullivan Shoes. Uh -huh. And I just remember one bit at the end of it, the uh, Cagney's arguing with the uh, with with Ed Sullivan, what do you mean he's already shaved? He's already shaved. He's got to be one of the other dogs. And he goes, I don't know. He slid in and he and he dropped the ball. And he picked the ball real quick. And he tapped everything's happened too fast. What the hell's going on anymore? Why you silly son of a bitch? You're making these calls out of your ass. So it was all these different yeah, impressions, yeah. and the the, the 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 kids in the class were laughing their ass off. Right, you know. And, uh, you know, I got a nice grade for it and everything. And a, and a day later, this kid come from the class comes up to me and says, Hey, John. He goes, man, that was really funny. He goes, you know, they're doing a gong show down the street in Joliet. And uh, I goes, what are you telling me for? He goes, well, why don't you do that thing you did in class? I goes, that was for a grade. I'm not a stand-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes, but it was very funny. So... We go over there, and I enter this gong show. I won $500 in this stupid no. bar having a gong show. And you're like 18? I was 22. Oh, so after, okay, yeah. It was my senior year. I was right. going to graduate in a month. Right. So so anyway, I graduate a month later. I'm playing softball in a league in, in Chicago. We go to the bar that sponsors us. We're all sitting there in our uniforms drinking, and they got a little gong show going on at the bar that night. Yeah. So I'm sitting there in my uniform watching them going, you know what, I think I'm better than half these people. <laughs> so I get up and I do the little bullshit thing I wrote, I wrote for class. Yeah. And I won another $500. <laughs> 
So within a month, I won $1,000 doing a stupid thing I wrote for class. Yeah. And uh, this kid comes up to me afterwards. I, you know, I never had $1,000 my whole college career. I was yeah. always broke. Right. He says, hey, man, there's a comedy club in Lyons just outside of Chicago. It's 20 minutes from my house. They yeah. have open mic night every yeah. every Thursday. They sprinkle in the open micers with the regulars, and you get to do five minutes. You should check it out. So yeah. I, I go to the comedy womb. I get up. They put me up in between like Ted Holm and Arsenio Hall, you know, and I go- Who were locals then? Who were locals. Yeah. We're starting out. I mean, they were they were like the pros at the right, time. Right, right. And I do my little five-minute bit that I wrote for class. Yeah. And it was so bad because it was like, ladies and gentlemen, imagine, if you will, a bunch of celebrities getting together for a game of baseball. Right. I think it would go something like this. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't know how to talk to the crowd. I, I didn't know. All I knew was- But you knew that there, that was a, a standard intro to a, <laughs> to a bunch of impersonations. Exactly. You saw that on TV. Well, I, I you know, I, I did five plays in college. I was a theater. Uh, I was a communications major that did a lot of theater. Yeah. So I was used to being up on, in front of an audience. Were you I, a comedy fan? Uh, yeah. I, I was a big Carlin and Pryor fan yeah. at the time. But I wasn't used to being up there by myself with sure. the onus on me to right. be funny. Yeah, yeah. So I would present it like, uh, you know, and then I would I would hide behind the characters. Sure. I didn't know how to set up rapport with the crowd. Right, and right. Talk to them and riff. You and just did the act. I just went in and I just hid behind these characters. And it worked. And, and the guy says, hey, man, I like what you did. Why don't you go back on the weekends? And then he started giving me gas money. And then uh, eventually the older guys would take me on the road and let me open for like him. Like who first? Like Ted Holum, Ed Fiala, uh, you know, Emo Phillips, you know, Judy Tenuta. And, and eventually uh, I wanted to be an actor, but this kind of thing started snowballing for me. And for a whole year, I did that bit. That's yeah. all I, finally, I said, fuck, I got to do something else. If, if I can't prove I can be funny without doing an impression, I'm yeah. getting out of this. Yeah. So I just started writing my own monology stuff. Yeah. And but I started living and dying with it. And I, di I died a thousand deaths. Yeah. But I didn't want to be known as just an impressionist. Right. Well, I, did, like, I didn't even realize because by the time I saw you at the comedy store, it was all about your life. Exactly. Like I, do, I remember one bit where you're measuring. Something. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the setup on that? Well, I used to work on the docks. Yeah. In Chicago, loading trucks. Did you? Yeah. Were you a union college, guy? In college. Yeah. In college. Did you get in the union? Yeah. They ended up working me one day too late, and they had to put me in the union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in college, because if right. you work thirty days, they had to, you had to join the union. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how they forgot or I snuck in. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was one of these jobs where you just loaded trucks. Right? Yeah. But there were some real characters on the yeah. job, you know. Yeah. And and the one guy worked with like, uh, he was a measuring nut. Yeah. You know, he had a tape measure in his back pocket. Right. You know, it's like Louis, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. We're we're loading trucks. Yeah. We're, we're not measuring shit. Yeah. You know what, what the fuck? What's a measuring thing? Yeah. You know, he's one of these guys that walks in the house and goes, hey, "What kind of trim did you use up there, John?" <laughs> Is that three and three quarter, three and a half? I'll be a son of a... He starts measuring shit, you know, yeah, his yeah, head's yeah. going back right, and forth. Right, right. That's three and seven eighths. I'll be a son of a bitch. You can't get that shit no more. They quit making that in 68. That's a custom job. It's like, who gives a shit? You know, and then there was another guy. He was the, he was the direction. Yeah, yeah. You know, he would ask you where you went over yeah. the weekend. Yeah. Just to tell you how you got there. Yeah, you know, right, right. Hey, what you do Saturday, John? You know, none of them had teeth. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah they, they had no teeth. They're yeah. all smoking camels. Right. What'd you do Saturday, Jack? Yeah. I did it. I went golfing out at Glen Eagles. Glen Eagles? <laughs> wait a minute. That That's off 171, isn't it? Hold on. Wait a second. That's Archer Avenue, right? Wait a minute. What'd you take, 94? 
94 to 55 south, 55 south to King Henry, King Henry 171, 171, Archer, Archer over. I've been there before, sure, Clan Eagles. Takes about a half a six pack. I'll be a son of a bitch. But that one impression, like the Drew Carey, or not Drew Carey, the uh, Harry Carey, you did for a long time, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Harry Carey was a local celebrity in Chicago back in the 80s when I... And when I was growing up, he was the announcer for the White Sox. Right. He had just come over from St. Louis because they kicked him out because he was banging Augie Bush's son's wife. <laughs> so he gets a job with the White yeah. Sox. And, uh, you know, at the time he was only a local celebrity because he wasn't with the Cubs yet with WGN. Yeah. So I would do him in my act only in Chicago. People knew him. Right, right. But then he got on GM with, with, with the Cubs and went nationwide. So now I could do the impression anywhere I went. Right. But Harry was great because the game was incidental to the, to the story he was telling. Yeah, yeah. He goes, you know, I was on Rush Street last night. I, I closed the one bar, went across the street at the taco at that greasy spoon. And there's the throat of first. Anyway, you know... I had too many jalapeno peppers. That's a fastball off Grace's head, both benches empty. And so I go back to my place. I took a dump, and my asshole's killing me. There's a play at the plate. The nearest deal's home. And I'm thinking, man, I should have had some ice cream. Maybe if that came out first, my asshole wouldn't be bugging me. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I would yeah, just yeah. sprinkle it. But you could just go on for an I hour. I could go on for an hour with that. So, okay, so here's here you are. Oh, fuck. You're running around. Uh, you're running around Chicago. You're, you're getting big. Were you getting big in Chicago? Oh yeah, I started headlining all over Chicago. I started to develop a, a following, and um, you know what happened is I started working Zanies in the early '80s. Yeah. And when the club took off in the mid '80s, it got started. Re yeah. Real popular. Right. It started selling out every night, and then, uh, then I just started hitting road and making, you know, headlining all over the Midwest. Now, who were the guys? See, the weird thing about this, about that era, is that that was the that was the real comedy boom. That was the club boom in the early '80s, right? I mean, that yeah. was you know that was when everything started happening. New clubs were happening in everywhere, and all the guys that we know now, you know, some of the bigger guys are. Uh, you know, we're all starting out, so they were all running around. Johansson, Jenny, all those guys were touring the country around the same time you were, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I would run into comics uh, that I work with from New York, and uh, when I realized I wanted to move to New York or L.A., you know, and when I first started out, I didn't have the money to do that. Yeah. And eventually, I built up a nice kitty from, from headlining and everything, and... Uh, I, I had to decide, do I want to go to New York or L.A.? Then when Star Search called, I said, well, maybe this is om an omen Yeah, to move to L.A. Right. And I realized all the comics that I worked with from New York were out in L.A. I said, well, that just... Like, who are your friends? Well, I just ran, you know, like, uh, different guys that I worked with in New York, like Rick Overton and stuff like that, that ended up moving, uh, sure. moving to L.A. I'm right. thinking, well, if they're moving to L.A. and they're from New York, I might as well just go, you know... Cut out the middleman and go sure. right out to L.A. And you'd had all this road experience. Yeah, mostly headlining, well, middling. You did all. Of yeah, it, right? Indianapolis and you know, Chicken Detroit Patty. And did you, you work know. for Chicken Patty over uh, at uh, in uh, Indy. Yeah, you remember Chick and Patty? Yeah, they, of they, course. Yeah, of course. And then I worked the Crackers and I worked the, uh, you know, Ridley's place and I worked uh, all over the Indianapolis and Detroit and and Ohio, all yeah. over Ohio. You know, hilarities. Yeah. And, you know, Wiley's Comedy Club in Dayton. Yeah. 
And uh, so, you know, I cut my teeth in a lot of places. And you know what else is cool is when I first started out, my brother worked at Midway Airlines. Mm -hmm. So he had a buddy pass. Mm -hmm. So I got to fly to a lot of places for free just to show him my goods. Holy shit. Where, you know, I, I instead of driving seven hours, I fly in in an hour go up that night just to showcase and fly yeah. home. Just oh, that's sweet deal. So I was able to come back and establish crowds around the Midwest just because my brother worked for Midway. So oh that my was a, God. another way I uh, to get started. Wait, how long did he work for them? Just a couple years. Yeah. But it was enough for me to establish my place myself in a lot of clubs. Oh, that's you know? a, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. So is, is Cindy the only one that ended up in show business other than you? Cindy, uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, but you know what? Growing up, we were... a uh, my my grandfather was a big singer. Yeah, you know he cut a couple albums back oh, really? in the day in the fifties. Your, your 40s. father's father? My mother's father. Oh yeah, Jumpin' Red Cassidy. Oh yeah, and you know and all the get-togethers we had, he sang at everything. Yeah, you know, and he's a real showman, yeah. a vaudeville guy. Yeah, a real jokester. Yeah, and I think every get-together we had, whether it was Easter, St. Patty's Day, Christmas, whatever. Yeah, he performed, mm -hmm. and all of his kids sang. So it was like 10 max amateur hour. Yeah. And I think growing up and seeing that, and I couldn't sing, so I did impressions. And, yeah. And, and, and the, to get the laughter from all the family members, sure. it just encouraged you growing up. And my yeah. sister played guitar, my brother sang, my other sister sang. So we, we, we uh, I think growing up, and there, it's, that's a chapter in my book talking about how I think showbuzz got in my blood er sure. early on. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was in college that a teacher asked me to audition for one of the plays he was um, directing, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah? You know, I went to college to play baseball. <laughs> and this guy pulls me aside and says, hey, man, I think you'd be great for this play. McMurphy? No, the Billy Bibbit. Oh, really? Yeah, and I said, I never acted. He goes, yeah, but I like what you're doing in my oral interpretation class, <laughs> and I think you'd be good for this part. So I, I said, I'll give it a shot. I was flattered, you know? Yeah. And I got the part of Billy Bibbit. And the thing was a huge success on campus, and I ended up getting the acting bug. Oh, yeah. So I ended up doing five more plays in college, and I wanted to be an actor when I came out of college, and I couldn't, I didn't have the money to move to L.A., New York, did, so I started doing the stand-up circuit. Isn't that something? So you did you did you so you gave up on the baseball dream? Yeah, I read my coach my sophomore year. Uh, I needed classes and didn't know it, and I wasn't catching the ball coming off the bat until yeah. it was on top of me. Yeah. I made a few errors at short, and yeah. he stopped playing me. And I'm like, fuck, if I'm going to sit on the bench all this time and not play and swat flies and swat mosquitoes. Yeah. you know. And at the same time, this teacher had approached me, and all of a sudden I went from playing baseball to be one of the theater guys. Yeah, it's a, that's wild. <laughs> you you're, know, and, you're the, the one jock among the theater Yeah, yeah, guys. yeah. They're all like, you a theater fag now? All yeah. of a sudden you're a theater. He goes, hey, you get more pussy if you're not the gay guy in the theater. <laughs> then, you know, you know who gets more pussy on the cruise right. ship? Is the one dancer that's not gay. Yeah. And he's banging all the other hot dancers. Like, who's the fool now? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you and your judgment. Yeah. So, okay, so you come out here for Star Search, and what did, where did you come in on Star Search? I, you know, I went up against Jenny Jones, right? So oh, we're Jenny in the semi, Jones. we're in the semifinals. Right? Yeah, and we both do our bits, and we're waiting for the judges to tally the votes. Yeah, and Ed McMahon turns to Jenny, says, "Now, Jenny, remember Thursday bloopers? She was going to be doing the bloopers and blunders show with Dick Clark and and and." And uh, Ed McMahon, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, what the fuck? She's already in cahoots with this guy. Yeah, fixes I, in. I have a snowball's chance of winning this, and no sooner did that thought come to mind, and the winner's Jenny Jones by <laughs> audience decision. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Well, anyway, 
So it, it, it's so funny. A, a few months later, it's ironic that I ended up working with her at a club in Tampa. Yeah. And she's supposed to be headlining. And I and, uh, can't follow you. She can't follow me. At all. Because she, she has 10, 20 minutes to her name, and then she's yeah. doing the other 20 minutes of Q&A. Oh, really? Because she, she can't fulfill the 45 minutes. Right. And Ronnie Bullard's opening the show, right? Mm-hmm. And Ronnie's a funny guy. Yeah. So by the by the next night, I'm headlining. She's in the middle, and Ronnie's still opening. Well, by the end of the week, Ronnie's in the middle. I'm headlining, and she's opening. <laughs> and I said, well, maybe this was prophetic because she ended up becoming a talk show host anyway. Right. She was never really a, a stand-up for the, uh, you know, for the long haul. Like, no, yeah. you know, you know what? She ended up doing what she was cut out sure. for. She it's, got the show, and yeah, it's interesting. You see that happen in stand up. You know who just ends up like you know because like, do you love doing comedy still or what? You know, I love performing, and I still like writing, and I still like doing it, but I, I don't like to travel anymore. Sure, I'm burnt out. Yeah, you know, if you see the cover of my book, it's me with my rolly bag mm-hmm. and a, a backpack, looking up at the sign where my where the plane's going. Right. That's the picture of my book. Right, right. Because it's 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 a life in comedy. It's about being on the road. It's about living out of a suitcase. Mm-hmm. It's the loneliness of the job. And like you were saying before, that's the one thing I always remember. It's like every time you go do a road gig, it's like, did they have to find a hotel that was not near anything? Did it, you know, is this like you're always in the industrial park or out far away from anything and then you like you're like well maybe i'll just go get coffee and you're the one guy walking you know uh, for you a know, mile uh, yeah. I, I know that's the that's the the bumfuck michigan gig i was talking right about. and you're excited if the place is connected to a mall like if the mall's right there you're like oh thank god yeah i go to the movies at least i catch a movie yeah. <laughs> i could get some food yeah i could shop yeah you know like a depressed woman uh-huh. shop and buy shit to make yourself <laughs> feel good about yourself yeah it's just it's a lonely existence man and it, it, it can really eat at you after a while well when you were when you were here uh initially like after what 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 was your sort of how did a career unfold when you were here because you worked a lot and then the, you got the series and you must have thought at that time where like oh this is it well, when did what? that happen how that all happened well in 94 uh 93 uh rick messina who was a comedy manager sure. he, handled, he handled tim allen tim yeah. allen had become a star already on home, yeah. home improvement mm-hmm. and he was doing a theater and around in orange county and he mm-hmm. said john you want to open up for tim this week mm-hmm uh, he's doing a he's doing this uh, gig out in Orange County. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll open for him. So I go out there and I do twenty minutes. I had this really killer set, and unbeknownst to me, some uh, people from uh, Disney Television yeah. were in the audience. Yeah. The same people that you know worked for Tim yeah. Allen, yeah. Dean Valentine. He ran Disney TV. Yeah, I remember that guy. And he, anyway, he comes up to me afterwards and says, "Man, I, I really loved your stuff." He goes, "I think you could be the next Tim Allen." He says, "I, I want to get." Warren Littlefield out to see you, and the head at, of NBC at the at the comedy yeah. store. He was the head of NBC at the time. Yeah, and I said, "This is awesome." So we scheduled for the next week. I call in all the friends I knew, every marker I could cause. Yeah, just come out this one night. You know, you know, laugh like the Nero in Cape Fear in the movie scene where he's just laughing his ass off. <laughs> was it main room? Uh, main room it, it was or original? In the, it was in the original room. Yeah, but I packed it. Yeah. And I go up and I did my 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes or whatever. I have a killer set. The next day, they offer me uh, a, a pilot. Right. So we shoot the pilot. It's called The Good Life. 
It's a they make it an uh, a mid season replacement show. Who's in it with you? It, it was Eve Gordon was my wife. Uh, Justin Barfield was one of my sons. He was six years old. He ended up working more than any of us after the show. Yeah. He never stopped working. Yeah, he went from that to uh, you know Malcolm in the Middle. He uh-huh. was like the third son. Uh-huh. He the kid never stopped working. He was six years old in my show. <laughs> he worked more than anybody. Yeah, but it was a it was a fun show. St- Jeff Martin was the producer. He just came off. He just came off um, The Simpsons. He was a head writer on The Simpsons. Disney hired him to be a showrunner, you know, to produce sitcoms for them. And and it ended up, you know, being short-lived. But I got to see how the other half lived. But you did a whole season, right? I did. I did. It was a mid-season replacement show. Yeah. But the problem was it was NBC. How many episodes? And we did 13 episodes. They all aired. But after the first four airings, they took us off for the Winter Olympics. Ugh. So all the all the momentum we got, we lost. How did was it re- responded to? Well, did people react? Did well, the like problem it? was we followed Saved by the Bell the college years, and yeah. which was the worst rated show on TV at the time. Ugh. So we had no lead in. Yeah. And the three shows that came out that night was Saved by the Bell, John Larroquette, and John Mendoza, and myself. Yeah. And there was no show to help kick off the other show. Yeah. The only show that year was Seinfeld. And he and the show that followed it was Frasier. He was he was the only show that could help kick off someone. Everybody else was thrown to the wolves. Yeah, it died. A, it died a slow death, and that was my big shot. And yeah, I was a star of that show, and it, it showed me how the other half live. Yeah, it got me my house in Studio City. Yeah, and I was able to hold on to it, you know, for twenty one years. Yeah, but I told my wife when we bought it, I said, "Hun, this is a beautiful home." <laughs> I said, but if this show doesn't go, and I'll find out in a month, you we know, might have fucked I up. said, I said, you'll never see me again because I'll be on the road for you know trying to pay for it. And sure enough, the show goes under, and I've been on the road for the last twenty one years trying to pay for it. What did she say at that moment, though? No, John, it's gonna go. No, no? You know, she goes, this place is beautiful. Oh, you know, I yeah. guess we're 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 above our means here. Yeah, but and we ended up we ended up keeping it. It was the only thing in my life. I, I ended up getting on the right side of the curve. Right, right. Because it quadrupled on me. Sure. Because I was able to hold on to it. Right. You know, and, you know, it's my retirement. Yeah. You know, all yeah. my money's into it. And yeah, yeah. I want to cash in my chips so I can retire because that's my 401k. Are you are you thinking about selling the house? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm tired of the road and I want to downsize. What do you want to do? Get a condo or something? Yeah. Either a three or two bedroom condo or stay something. Stay here, though? I'm trying to stay here because my kids are here and yeah. I, I don't want to bail on them and, and I, you know, it'd be nice to just move to Phoenix or Albuquerque and buy a four bedroom yeah I grew up and, in Albuquerque you think in Albuquerque well I have two sisters that live there no shit you know it's where's so Cindy I, I, Cindy's in LA she's yeah. in Sherman Oaks but I got two sisters living in Albuquerque no kidding I could buy a house for a song there and, and retire all together right and, and it's I, a nice city you know it's a great city and I and I like it there Phoenix s- not as good Albuquerque's nice yeah, it, I like it because it. it's a little cooler yeah you know yeah. I like the whole snow and it doesn't all look the same you know, Phoenix kind of looks the same block yeah, to block. You're like, oh, is, is that the mall we were just at? Is that the, you know what I mean? <laughs> every, I know. Every fucking mall is the same color. And the same, my brother lives there. I know. It's that same. It's bizarre. It's flat. look. Yeah. And, you know. Yep. But, uh, you see. know, it's an option. But what? But you did a lot of, you might mean, you, you were doing a lot of acting here and there, right? I, You know, after I did The Good Life, I, yeah. got, I got acting parts out the ass. You know, I was doing episodics. I, You know, I did uh, Love and War. I did... I did uh, L.A. Law. I did uh, I did E.R. I did I got I kept getting a lot of acting roles, so I ended up getting a SAG pension from yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, you good. Know? Yeah. And it's not a lot, but it's enough. Yeah. It's you there. know, at least to pay my rent wherever I go. Right. And 
you know, so I, I ended up getting a lot of acting work out of that. And you but to bread, keep... you know, stand-up has always been the bread and butter, you know, when it comes down to it. Yeah. If I ever have a slow month, I, I just hit the road and I start working again. How's your draw out there? You still pull? Well, you know, I, I pull in cities where, uh, you know, like St. Louis, Chicago, uh-huh. in the Midwest still. And what's the turnover on material? You work new shit? I always, I'm always working new material. That's because great. Because it's the only thing that rejuvenates my act. Exactly. I can't, I can't wait to get to that exactly. new bit. Exactly. It, then... it, it puts a shot in your arm. Of your act. Yeah. You know, because you got that new bit you can't wait to get to. I know. And if you don't have it, it's like, oh, here we go. You know, yeah, and, you, you and know. Then, like, right when, isn't that wild, right? Because, you know, you're doing the hour and you're tired of the hour. And then all of a sudden you find one thing that fits in with the other two things or whatever. And you get to that. And then, and all of a sudden everything's good again. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. There's, you'd be surprised what one good joke or one good bit would ju- rejuvenate your whole act. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't wait to get to it. And you're excited about everything else again. And it's it, it, as a stand-up, because all these new kids st- start doing it every year, you yeah, know, yeah. the field just keeps getting more yeah, and more crazy. tight. And if you don't stay with the times and keep writing, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. It's cr- so many guys got and, lost, right? Yeah, you know, so many good guys, too, quit yeah. because they don't want to do the road anymore. Yeah. And you, you ask any good comic, you know, why'd you stop? Because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sleep in another hotel. I couldn't do the road anymore. I had to stop. Mm. And, you know, uh, and that's where I'm at. I'm at my career. Well, you I'm know, at that juncture right sure, now. Sure, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like you got a couple of plans that might work out. Yeah, I really do want to I, I really do want to sell my place and really downsize and, and chill chill with the road. Yeah. Well, I, talk, I haven't talked to many people about that the, you know, when you mention corporate gigs or you mention ships, like, I don't think I've talked to anybody really about, you know, that world of comedy. So, like, when you, like, what do corporates usually look like? How do they work? Well, you do a corporate gig like I'm. I'm doing one in a in a month. It's for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, you know, every year they have a, a they have a gig where they bring all the ball players yeah. together with the local businessmen. Yeah, it's called the Knights of the Cauliflower Ear. It started back in the twenties. Yeah, when the businessmen would have the ball players come and meet them so that the ball players could get jobs in the off season because uh-huh. they weren't making that much money at the time. Oh, right. But even though the ball players can buy and sell these guys now. Because yeah. they make so much money, sure. they kept the tradition up. Yeah. So Tony LaRusso would bring me in every other year to perform for these guys, and they kept it up, and they want me to come back and do it. So that's just one particular. Tony LaRusso is he the guy that does the pet charity too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I first met him. I was doing his charity gig. Yeah, yeah. So then he became manager of the Cardinals and said, "Would you come in and perform?" Do a couple gigs for me with for the team. It's a good you know, gig. It's a great gig. You know, you meet all the ball players and businessmen, and it's a fun gig. But this is a corporate gig where you just shoot in for the night. Yeah, do the gig for them, and you're home the next day. Right. Now, if I could do three of those a month and not have to travel, it would be a perfect world. But, but and you, you know? and your material, you can you can do a clean hour. I could do a clean hour, and I could do a dirty hour. You yeah, know? and then like you know, like some of those gigs, from what I understand, because I've never really sought after for those type of corporate gigs. Like sometimes you have to adapt to you know whatever the company is. Well, I don't do that. No, good. I tell the guy, he yeah. goes, "Hey, maybe you could fuck with Joe." Yeah, he'll fuck with Joe. You know, well, yeah. Joe's the owner. They don't tell me till afterwards. Yeah, and the guy's signing my check. You right. Know? Well, they never told me you own the place. They just said you worked in accounting. And now Joe's gonna fuck you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You thought that joke was funny, huh? I'm gonna take another zero. Up. Yeah, yeah, good luck cashing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's a, and then you do the you know you do carnival or some of these cruise lines. Carnival wants you to do a half hour clean, and then they want you to do a half hour blue as shit. You know, is that how it works now? Yeah, they want you to do one for the family and one for the for the R rated. Is there anything good about doing the ships? 
The only good thing is that you sometimes have another comic on there that you can pal around with. Yeah. But if you don't have that other comic or the other comic's a douchebag and you gotta, yeah. you don't want to hang with them, it becomes a really long week. Yeah. And and there's so much downtime. And, and you keep running into the audience. Yeah, and you're alone with your thoughts a yeah. lot because yeah. you don't know anybody. And you're on the then water. Then you try to make small talk with people just so you don't feel like a lonely oh, guy. Oh, yeah, there's a sad and guy. And then you're on the water and it feels you feel so disconnected because you're out at sea. Yeah. And you don't see land. Yeah. And you feel like you're one of these... Navy guys that are trying to get leave and just trying to get on land so you can go and so you can go and get a hooker and and just just have some other life outside of yeah 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 I'm talking about the Navy guys yeah, know, not, not, not myself yeah but I'm just saying that's how you feel though you yeah. feel like you're in the Isolated, Navy yeah. and just want to get leave now does there did you have, when you're on a ship do you have to do a show every night on Carnival you do on on on, on Royal Caribbean you don't. You know, but on, on Carnival, you have another comic to work with that you can pal around with. On, on Royal Caribbean, you don't. Yeah. You know. And how often do you do those? I, I do maybe one a month or maybe one every two months. I've really cut them back because yeah. they play with... The, the, the loneliness gets to me after a while in those yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. You know? Do you get to see parts of the world or is that even diminished? Do you get, Oh, no, you do, but that's diminished for me because you, how many times can you go to Cozumel? Even yeah. though it's beautiful and they have great scuba diving <laughs> and all that. But when you've been there a hundred times, right, you can only over. buy so many sombreros and you can only buy... You know, it's so much Kahlua. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so, you know, you can only do so much. You get so many boner pills. You know, you can yeah. only buy so much of that shit yeah, in yeah. Mexico. Right, right. And, and after a while, it's like, all right, been there, done that. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it's a... You never went up to Alaska or anything? Only... Yeah, I did the whole Alaska thing. You know, you can only catch so many salmon. You can only, you know, you know, wave at so many bears and... and, and <laughs> There's the sad guy waving at the bears again. The bears are feeling bad for you. Is that guy back? I just woke up. Oh, my you, God. I got to look at that guy, the sad comic. Oh, my God. Why doesn't he get a podcast and just stay home and, and try to get a following or something? You know, right on a sitcom. Well, this guy's here every other month. Oh, shit. Does he get tired of this? Hey, I got three kids, man. I got to feed the family. Yeah. We understand. We got you know, cubs. You know, it's funny. Everybody sees the world of a stand-up. Oh, my God. This guy works an hour a night. He's banging nah. all the waitresses. He's getting coked up out of his mind. He's nope. living He's living large. Nope. No, no. No, man. It's like you get all this love and acceptance from the so audience. Yeah. You know, they're buying your CDs. They're buying you drinks after the show. Yeah. They're, they're buying, they're, you know, buying your paraphernalia. Yeah. They're getting all this love. And an hour later, you're in your hotel room watching yeah. hbo eating yeah. a domino's pizza jerking yeah. off that's it that, yeah. and that's your you life win. you are the loneliest guy in the world that's right yeah you I, win right yeah. yeah you win yeah you, you, you want to put a bullet I, in your head i used to have like people a lot of my fans were bringing me baked goods for a while because i used to talk about it so like i'd end up in the hotel room with like three or four trays of baked cookies and cakes just sitting there on my bed <laughs> jerking off surrounded by fucking cake and i was like what the <laughs> fuck is this is this the victory am i living it you know oh my god some life yeah it's a trip too when you like that because i'm at that point right now where i've got to write sort of a new hour i gotta get a good night a nice big piece going and like you know you figure out where do you start that you know what story is going to be this so like usually the way it goes with me is like you get that one piece where like i can build around that like that yeah. that's the main piece yeah and let's see what comes in between and after and whatever right and, but the, you forget that the, 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 there's still this weird courage necessary to fucking take the hit 
when you're building a thing. Oh, it's unbelievable courage. It's, yeah, because it's, like you're, you're, you're like you're, you're you don't know where all the laughs are yet. No, nope. you don't want to write. You don't want to try and memorize everything. Yeah, because no one can write forty five minutes and right. memorize it. Right, you want to go up there with the gist of it. Yeah, so to give you the freedom. Right, to 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 roam and, and discover stuff while you're on stage. Yeah. So, you know, you got to get up there with a recorder and just say, I'm going to yeah. fly. And yeah. and then when something hits, you go, oh, fuck, how, what did I do there? Yeah. I got to remember, how did I do that? Yeah, 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 and yeah. if you don't have that recorder there to play it back. You're fucked. You know, you're fucked. Yeah, but, a lot of times I record and I don't even listen to the recording. I just, like, I just, yeah. like, I'll just keep doing it the way I think I should probably listen more. Yeah. There's you a, record everything? No. Mm. No, but I... I there's something about knowing where that laugh, that laugh hits yeah. that makes you remember that. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's just the nature There's of the a, job. It's a built-in thing where yeah. you go, oh, yeah. all right, all right, that was funny. You ever hit those ones where you get the laugh and you can never get it again? Where you're like, what the fuck did I do that <laughs> I, one night? I know, that pisses you off so much because you didn't record it and you're like, how did I phrase that? Yeah. Maybe it was the timing. Yeah. Maybe it was the delivery. It was the wording. I, yeah. I, why did I, why didn't why? I record it? <laughs> yeah. I fucked myself. <laughs> Lost. Lost. One audience saw. One audience saw that genius. Bit. Yeah, and you're improvising, and shit's kicking ass, and then you can't recreate it because you didn't record it. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I got to remind myself. I got to make sure I do that. So, what's your sister doing? Is she writing on television now? She's uh right now. She's in between jobs. I think it's the first time in her career where she hasn't been on a show. Mm -hmm. She's really been lucky, falling into. She got a family. No, oh. she's got a husband. Yeah, but she has no kids. Oh, okay. But so they got uh, no cousins she got a place here. in Sherman Oaks. She's been at it. You know, she went from Second City. To I remember working her on SNL. Right. To working on right. Norm Macdonald. To, mm -hmm. to, to my boys. To you know Nurse Jackie. To uh, she did a thing. Uh, Shameless. She's oh, been yeah. on a million things. You guys close? Yeah, she's no, four good. years younger than me, so. That's we nice. all grew up together. That's yeah. fucking sweet. It's not, I think it's sweet that you still got this relationship with your family. You know, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, no, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't talk to my brother. I don't see that guy. I don't no, know. you know what? I keep in touch with all of them. And even though we're all parts of the country, I got a brother in San Francisco, two in Albuquerque, one in Chicago. And, uh, you know, we, we, we all keep in touch. That's great. And you, you go know. back every year to Chicago a couple times? I get back there four and five times a year to do the clubs or... A wedding or funeral yeah, right you know because i have so much family back there I, I you know i i didn't even leave till i was 30 so i still have all the people i played ball with you know people i went to college with people yeah. i went to high school with yeah you know there so many people back there and you don't so, see yourself living there again you don't want to you know i could yeah right i could live back there you know not you know easily you know but i i am used to the weather out here yeah and, you know, I, I've been out here 30 years now, so... And your kids grew up here, and your wife's... Where's she from? she from here? She's originally from uh, New York, but uh -huh. then she grew up in Florida and came out here in, in the mid... She came out here in uh, the 80s, uh -huh. and I met her when she was a waitress at the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, well, you know, it's great to talk to you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I... I it's great I, to see you. I, I'm happy for you, because I know you... You get on the ground floor when these podcasts start, first start. Rare when you're, that happens. You're like the pioneer of this. Once in my I, life. I'm so happy for you that Thanks, it man. actually took off for you. Once in my life, the cosmic timing worked. Yeah. It's like, I yeah, I had no expectation. Like It's like you said about your house. Like If you could get one of those in your life where you're like, oh, I'm ahead of the curve on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it was all God. by blind luck. Right. That, you know? Exactly. It's like, you know, if you get one of those, you can't plan that shit, but if you get one of those in your life, good for you. 
And Whatever the fuck it is. I know, and I know. It happened to be my house for me and your podcast <laughs> for you. But more power to you, man. I'm happy for you. Thanks, man. Thanks for talking, John. All right. That was me, John Cavanera. Uh, his book, uh, Life and Comedy, you can get it on Amazon. And I'm sure you can see John uh, uh, if you look him up on the internet. So, as always, go to WTFPod.com, powered by Squarespace, and check out the tour dates, the merch, the stuff, the things, get on the email list, you know, that kind of thing. All right. Well, I hope you, I hope you enjoyed that. All right. Hold on. I'm going to get my Les Paul and plug it into that dirty old man amp.